My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we talk with Hamlet Batista, founder and CEO of RankSense. We talk about his origins in the Dominican Republic, his background as a software developer and systems administrator, his early business successes and failures, and how he developed his convictions in automation and making things more efficient. We dive into his immigration to the United States in 2010 on a special visa, what led him to found his company RankSense, and how he knew he had the entrepreneurial bug. Lastly, we discuss Python, whether or not you need to know it to do SEO, how automation can help you be successful as an SEO, as well as limitations of machine learning and which types of things can't or won't be automated for some time. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Hamlet's SEO story. Hey, everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, and we are back with episode 55 of the Page Two podcast. And if you don't know me, I am a senior SEO manager at Search Discovery, uh, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Jeff Luella, technical SEO uh, at the New York Times Wirecutter division. Jeff. Hey, howdy, hey. You did it again. I did it again. <laughs> I'm a I hey, howdy, hey guy. Thing. Yeah. Yes. Jeff is the Al Borland uh, of our of our show. And no, we are not uh, rebranding to name our show Tool Time. Uh, although we SEO do talk about time. SEO tools, right? Uh, I'm sure that they've, uh, they've copyrighted that. Uh, so we have a very special episode today. And uh, for any technical uh, SEO gurus or people that want to learn about SEO uh, automation uh, and just generally nerding out, this is going to be a great episode. And that is because we have Mr. Hamlet Batista, CEO of RankSense. He's here. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, we are so we are so excited. And we were talking off air uh, and wondering, if it was a good idea to talk uh, Python, because you talk about Python all the time, and we're just wondering, like, do you get tired? And this is, we're not starting the interview just yet, but we're, we were debating, like, maybe he gets tired of talking about Python. Maybe he wants to talk about other other things. We don't want to keep him in a keep him in a box if he wants to talk about other things. But he, I think it's his middle name. Right. He, Hamlet, Hamlet P. But yeah. Yeah. You should, uh, if you don't already on Twitter, you should just put that uh, as your as your name for a little while and see if people still recognize you. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that there is such a thing as talking about Python in, in, in the context of SEO. It's more, Python is the canvas, right? So it's, it's, it's what allows me to talk about different problems that I could use Python to solve them in a faster way that, it will be very difficult to solve without it, you know, manually or with off the shelf tools. 
And, and yes, that was uh, my first instance. We talk a lot about Im- imposter syndrome and I'm a technical SEO, but I am not a, a Python, uh, a Python master. So uh, very quickly, I was, I was cor- corrected to uh, understand that Python is really about automation and it is, it is a mechanism, uh, right? Not a, not a strategy, right? A mechanism to, to make SEOs go faster. Uh, and for those people that, um, that like the office, uh, you're going to be listening to, uh, to Hamlet explain, uh, Python probably to me, like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> Because I know nothing about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I like you know what you mentioned because you know do you get tired of talking about Google Search Console, right? Or to get talking about Google Analytics, or right? Or talking about keyword research, right? So those are concepts. Those are foundational building blocks that enable you to do things, right? Yep. So that's how you do it. And people, oh, but why would you want to be doing this Python when I can use Screaming Frog, when I can use SCM Rochester? Look, you know, all we are all using different tools and they're fantastic, but there is always a piece of the work that we have to do, right? So we run a tool, get an Excel file, run another tool, do, and then we have to go in and start playing with Excel files to do the work, right? That work that you're doing in the Excel files is where you can replace that work with Python scripts, right? So another, you know, is, you know, you, probably you guys are familiar with macros, right? So old school in the, in the, if you're doing work in, in the, in the office suites, you have repetitive things that you're doing, going in the menu, doing stuff like that. And you can write a macro because this is something that you're doing repetitively. And if you have to, if, if the macro can save you a couple of minutes here and there, it can add up, right? So that's how you start thinking about it, right? It's like um, it's it's like a, a, a advanced macros that you can do when you're thinking about Python. It's, Python is about automation. It's about customized automation. You figure out something and you say, okay, now that I know how to do it, let me describe it to the computer so the computer can do it. But I, that's typically what a developer does when they're building tools. But you don't have to be a developer to do it. You can say, look, I can plug in different tools and do uh, amazing work that you couldn't do otherwise. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me tell you there, there, I think have been a couple of times, not just this, this week, but this year where I probably could have used uh, a little more automation in my life. Uh, anyways, before we jump into uh, the core of the show, uh, which if you don't know is origin stories, backgrounds of people in the SEO industry and just understanding what it is like to be an SEO day-to-day, not just straight knowledge sharing, but what it's like as the person behind all of the knowledge sharing, what we go through, trials, tribulations, successes, and failures. One of the things that we are going to start doing, Hamlet uh, is is involved in it, and we've been uh, I wouldn't say involved from a from a creation standpoint. We're certainly not the the people behind it, but we've been supporters 
behind the scene uh, scenes, and we wanted to show our support uh, very, uh, very publicly, uh, and uh, we want to start doing this. So this is going to be our first live read uh, in the in the history of the show, and that live read is going to be for an organization uh, called United Search. Uh, definitely something we're not. Uh, I just want to clarify and caveat that we are not being paid. Uh, to promote uh, United Search. This is something that it has been uh, for us a focus behind the scenes. Uh, it's not been something that we've widely publicized. We've maybe mentioned it a handful of times publicly, but it is something uh, that we think uh, it is time for us to more publicly support. And this is a great mechanism to do it. So yeah. here it goes. <laughs> Here it goes. Here comes the the, the live read. We'll see uh, if my if my practice and my uh, uh, fifty plus episodes of pretending to be a radio like host have uh, have worked out worked out well. So, are you looking to break into F SEO conference speaking but not sure how? Are you feeling that you're not well represented within the current SEO speaking circuit and want to change that. Well, you're in luck. We here at the Page Two Podcast would like to take the opportunity to let users know about United Search, a new organization in the first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, L, uh, LBGTQ, IA+, and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo is diverse SEO equals better SEO. United Search, yeah, United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real-world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage in the network they need to land gigs all at no cost to the student. Sounds pretty amazing. So how does this work? It's actually pretty simple. United Search connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where the students get to present to SEO experts and receive positive constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to an amazing community of SEO professionals. Now, what does this mean actually for our podcast? Uh, so as, as somebody that is, uh, in our case, a little bit more informally sponsoring the podcast and as, a, as an advocate and an evangelist for uh, for United Search as an organization, what we're doing is committing to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast. On this podcast, now that is for us going to come through in the types of guests that we book, and of course the the types of organizations that we support publicly. And in doing so, we've made a pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented groups, including women. Uh, BIPOC, BAME, LGBTQIA+, as well as representation of people with disabilities and those who are 55 years and older. Uh, if this sounds of interest to you, please visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a student or mentor or visit them on Twitter at uh, search underscore united. How did I do, guys? How, how was that? <laughs> you great. And I, you know, I want to mention that I, I'm one of the mentors, so I'm really privileged to be helping with this initiative. 
Yeah. So uh, before we kind of get into your background, uh, I guess, how did it come together? How did you become uh, a a mentor? And uh, is there anything, I guess, that you would want to say that maybe I didn't hit upon? No, it was just, you know, you know Dan, we, uh, we had met at, at speaking events, SMX West, I think, uh, start of the year, and we've been connected for for years, right, and sharing each other articles and invited me to to, to contribute, say, hey, you know, sounds, sounds awesome. Um, I'm a big believer in diversity. I'm, I come from Dominican Republic. I'm, I'm Latino. I'm, you know, Black, you know, and I think, I've been really privileged when we talk about my origin story to be given the opportunities that I have. And that's a big motivation to, to give back and help others that haven't been given those opportunities. So that's actually a good, um, a good segue. Uh, so you are, and I'm, I'm, you know, as we do show prep, we dive into people's bios. So, you came to the United States in 2010, but before that, you were in uh, Dominican Republic, right? Yes. So, I guess tell tell us about your your background, um, and you know maybe how how you grew up, how you got into uh, into marketing and SEO. Were you doing SEO before you came to the U.S. or or after? And just kind of take us through your your origin story. Yeah, so so my background is uh, engineering. So I I studied engineering in Dominican Republic, and I worked uh, over different roles. Uh, I worked as a system primarily in IT. So sorry, I worked as a system administrator in, uh, for a big tele- telecommunications company in the in Dominican. Dominican. The, for our, my first language is Spanish. But I got the opportunity by working at that company, a big telco, the equivalent of Verizon here in the U.S., to be trained in the in the, in, in the United States. So I took trainings here to develop, you know, being able to manage an, an early stage internet service provider in the Dominican Republic. And as an engineer, right, I hate innate inefficiencies. So. I always been driven to, hey, look, this stuff is too slow. It's taking too much time. I don't like the way. Let me learn how to do it faster. How can I make it more efficient? You know, and I want to tell you a story that is that is going to be from my times at the ISP, which is I um, we were in charge of the domain name system at the ISP. The domain name system is what translates um the main you know when you type the domain you know type google it translates that into ip addresses probably familiar with ip addresses and that's kind of like a phone book at ISP, you have to set up those entries in the in the in the phone book every ip what is the name you have to to set up back in the day we're talking about 96 97 right it's a long time right um we were it was like People figure out, you know, that you could spam. You can send massive emails, and, and it was just a disaster. And a lot of ISPs, we were caught with our pants down with this stuff because it was just overwhelming the amount of spam that was going on. And we had to start researching, how do we, you know, prevent this from happening? And it involved setting up 
records in the DNS to prevent that from happening. You know, we're getting into technical details about it, but the, the idea is that I had a team, people that graduated from me from school and we were on this class, but I was always the most inquisitive, reading about, you know, how to do things automatically. And I was teaching them how to edit the files to do it one at a time manually so they can get familiar with the editing. And they were like two weeks in and it's gonna, it was gonna take them like six, seven more weeks to finish the work. And we needed to do it immediately because they was crashing this, you know, we need to needed to solve that problem with the spam, with a, with a, with a, with a spam. We were creating uh, blacklists, needed to create them quickly. So when I saw that it was happening, I said, look guys, you know, let me take this from here because we need to do this immediately. Like, what do you mean you need to do it immediately? Because they're taking it for it's taking them weeks, and it's going to take them even more more weeks to finish it. I wrote a script, and I populated all the tables immediately, right? And when they saw that that the work that they were doing for weeks, I did it in a few minutes because there, there was an urgency, right? They were not very pleased because you can imagine, right? And I said, "No, guys, and, and you remember the 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 the, the the Karate Kid uh, movie, you know, that he was learning to to clean the cars. And then he said, I said, no, I was trying to teach you the mechanics so that you build the muscles to be able to do the editing. But, and they didn't talk to me for a couple of weeks or more. because <laughs> you, you, were were the, you were the person, or they were the people ringing you up for your groceries at the cash register. <laughs> and you were the automatic machine that's doing their job, uh, uh, 10 steps be yeah. 10 steps behind them so to so to speak <laughs> exactly so so basically you, you understand i bring you that story so you understand why you know automation is something that i've been so passionate about right fast forward still in the Dominican republic i got to work for a an online gaming operation in the Dominican republic that they, I was able to, I saw them, they hired me from the ISP job and they doubled my, 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 my salary because in the interview, um, it's probably for, for another, you know, the story is, is, is interesting on that. They were trying to challenge me with questions and, uh, and then I tended up challenging them. So look, you know, guys, you know this. And then when they couldn't answer it, they said, no, you're hired. So they hired me and give me twice the salary. And I saw when I was working with them, I come from an ISP, super organized, you know, big companies, MBAs, everything with, with, with uh, quality management, you know, you know, methodologies for quality management, reporting and all that stuff. You all this organization and you're coming from school that you're taught that this is the way that you do, you know, operate in a business. And I see this company breaking everything that I know, like they're every, they're making every single mistake in the book, but they're making obscene amount of money because they were early in the internet with a gaming operation, tens of millions of dollars, and they were just scrambling. So to give an idea how bad it was, they had servers to support their, their websites and the servers were crashing every hour. And you know what the solution they had for that because of all the, the traffic they were getting? they hire somebody just to sit next to the servers and restart them every time they crash. That's how bad it was. And with that approach, I said, 
I can't believe that you guys don't even know how to operate something properly that it's not crashing and you're making so much money, right? And then I said, wow, that gave me the entrepreneurial insight that look, you know, it's not about, you know, being, you know, 100% precise. It's not about the theory and all that stuff. It's about the opportunity, right? These people, they're doing everything wrong, but they're seizing on an opportunity that has a small window and they were capturing it any way you want, right? If, you, if, you, if you've seen this ad from the, the lottery ad, right? That people, oh, everybody's going crazy because the, the dollars are flying, you know, and then he's waiting for things to calm down. But by the time he's going down, there's nothing left because people are just seizing the opportunity. So that contrast of seeing the shift from the, the all the organized things working on the high you know, at the corporation and the chaos and these people making so much money, right? I said, wow, this changed my perspective. So I joined that company and we helped them put it organized, right? Now when they were organized, they put everything, you know, they were doing a lot even better. And the and the founders they ended up being billionaires in that company. It's just to give you that, that that how crazy that story is. They're the founders of Party Gaming. You can f- look look for them. Ruth Parasol is, is was one of the founders. These are people that interviewed me back then, right? So when I was working at that company, the marketers, uh, the marketer left the company, and he said, "Look, you know, I'm doing really well. I'm I'm doing this pay per click thing." And I'm promoting Viagra and I'm making all this money. I said, what? He wouldn't tell me how he was doing it. And I said, okay, let me find out. So I started researching why he was doing so well, doing pay search. It took me a few months. I figured out how to do it myself. Figured out how to do this pay search as an affiliate marketer. And you're talking about 2002, really early. We were launched 98. And we were doing, you know, I was able to make the salary. He said, look, I'm going to leave that company and make at least what I'm, what I'm making. Then I would double and triple what I was doing. And that's how I took the risk. And because they were paying me twice the salary I was making at the, at the ISP, I saved half of it, right? So I said, I have enough, you know, runway to try this, see if I could do it. Now, the cool thing is that when you do a pay search, you, um, you're always competitive focus. So looking at all the competitors and your managing budgets, you said, so I'm looking at one of my competitors showing up in the organic listings and I'm spending money on pay search. And I see this is a guy I'm competing on paid and he's showing up in the organic listings and that's free how he did that. Right. And I knew that he was making good money because we were making money on, on paid. So I said, wow, I need to figure that out. That's where my engineering background helped me because I saw that he was doing well. started reading on this SEO. I said, look, let me read. Oh, the, the, the Google guys, they actually wrote a paper that describes how the search engine works, how, you know, the, it was a project in, in the school. So I read that paper. And when I read the paper and read the, the, all the math and everything that it was not a big deal for me because of my training, I found that idea of the anchor text on the links. And we're talking about 2002. And I said, wow, this is such a powerful and interesting concept. Let me try it. Once I understood it, I tried that out. And it worked incredibly, you know, we got my size to rank as well, really high in Google. And back then Google was powering Yahoo and Yahoo has like 14, 15 listings in a page. It's coming up in, you know, position like 12 or something. 
She's making like $15,000 in a month. You know, when we're talking about back then in the Dominican Republic, which money is like three times worth of what is here in the U.S. So, so it only lasted for, for a little bit of time because it was black hat stuff, which is what, what was happening back then. But that showed me, wow, there is something here, right? So that's what I, I want to focus and understand this and do it properly, understand how to do it better because there is, you know, economic opportunity. And it's also something that is interesting that I can connect what I know from technical with this marketing stuff. And that's kind of like, you know, how I got into the SEO space back then and so, very successful so, with, with affiliate marketing. Um, I've got a couple of, couple of questions. At what point did you decide to come to the, to the U S and, and was there, you know, it, you know, I guess what, why, why did, why did you come to the U S yeah, so that's, an, you know, that's another, you know, interesting story. So if you think about it, right, you know, in my country, it's a paradise. People use it. You go on, on vacation. It's a tropical island. It's beautiful. And if you're making that kind of money. It's amazing. And, you know, I live, you know, a really good life in, in the Dominican Republic, you know, while I was doing that. Right now, the challenge was affiliate marketing. It's a very challenging business because the barrier of entry is too low, right? So it didn't, it doesn't take long for everybody because everybody's just looking at what everybody's doing. It's just copycats. They copy everything you're doing. And then when everybody's copying, the pie shrinks, right? So it's just, you have to be reinventing the business even six, seven times in a year to stay in business because everybody's just copying, you know, copying everything. So that's not a sustainable business. So I did it successfully for three years or more, very, very successfully. So that I said, look, you know, why do I build software? Because all this stuff I'm learning can turn it into software and build something that is more sustainable. So I package what I'm learning and sell it to other people, right? Now, that was sound great in theory to do it from Dominican Republic, but it failed dramatically. So I first, when I try to launch a software, an institute software, and you'll find my interview in Moss, you know, they... Somebody went from Moss and interviewed me in Dominican Republic about it. It failed dramatically in uh, in Dominican Republic. I saw being in Dominican Republic as one of the main factors why that initially my second business with software, when I tried to launch it from Dominican Republic, failed. A big part of you know I had to interview a hundred people to get a good a good uh, develop software developer. Right, so the resources, the talent far more difficult to get for this, right? Because it's, it's a completely different uh, focus in that industry. And also, my in my market, you know, it's very difficult, right? So in terms of being a developing country, finding the, the, the right talent. And um, eventually, because of that failure, right, I had to start from scratch, right? So pretty much all the money that I made, most of it, as an affiliate marketer, I lost it on that business. And another learning is that I didn't have a business environment of when you can talk to other people, learn from other people, just trying to do everything from scratch, with no interactions, learning or schools or business you know, support or anything. All the ecosystem that you have here, it's, it's not, doesn't exist in the Dominican Republic. So it's, it's impossible. So while I was traveling to the U.S., I still wanted to stay living in the Dominican Republic, but because 
you know, an opportunity opened up. 2009-10 was a company that was trying to, they were trying to do the same thing, but they didn't need the, the expertise. That opportunity opened up for me to come to the U.S. and join that startup that was trying to launch software that they have all the backing that I lacked. So I said, wow, this is probably the opportunity for me to come to the U.S. in a really good position, a really good, you know, my family and everything and try this again in a few years. That's great. Um, It's interesting because I knew you moved over, you know, from the Dominican, but never knew the background of why. Um, But, you know, looking at your history and just knowing you for a little while, it seems uh, you are very entrepreneurial at heart. And, And like, was that something like that happened as like a kid? Like, were you always trying to discover that as like, you know, were you always trying to build stuff as a kid or was that something that you grew into like after college or something like that? Yeah. So I think that I discovered it. I didn't know it. Right. I knew that as a kid, you know, I, I used to be, I love video games, playing video games. And I used to be really good at negotiating trades with the, with the, with the games. I started with one, one game. I ended up with 14 just by trading them with all the kids. Right. So, Somehow I had that that ability to to uh, persuade others, right? With you know, with intelligent conversations and, and all that stuff, right? But for me, right, it, um, the entrepreneurial uh, I realized it when I uh, felt like I wanted to be. I didn't want to be constrained to doing one thing, right? Because I see that. You know, and it's in the team that I work with. A lot of people enjoy, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. Let me, I enjoy doing one thing. I want to be just focused on that thing, right? That's not my case, right? I have, I enjoy doing a lot of different things. I can be doing the same thing for too long. And um, when I had the jobs, right, I feel constrained. I say, okay, this is great. I'm doing this thing, but I don't want to continue doing it. I want to try something else. When I was at the ISP, I was doing this for a little bit of time and then I got tired and said, look, I want to be doing, you know, something else. Two or three, you know, I want to be, you know, being able to shift and try different things and see what I learned is something that I felt when I had, even when I moved to the U.S. When I moved to the U.S., I moved with a really incredible job, great aid and everything. You say, well, you know, I don't have constraints. Well, I have the constraint that I have to follow, you know, whatever idea, the direction of the CEO of the company perceives that that has to be. And I have a disagreements about it, about what will be, you know, this or that. I said, look, you know, doesn't matter that I'm getting great pay here. This, I don't believe in this path that you're taking. I believe in this is what I want to be doing. I'm gone because I want to be able to shift and do what I feel is what I you know, enjoy the most. And if you think about it, I'm in the ideal position right now in my job because it's it's challenging to bring a business to a level of success that you can, you know, have people and they can do whatever. But you, um, I delegate what I don't enjoy. Right? I have the privilege to say, look, you know, I want to spend the time writing this Python code. You know, I wouldn't be seeing myself doing that in my previous job. Couldn't do it, right? You know, I said, why you be sharing that secret sauce and all that stuff from, you know, they would never let me do that stuff, right? I can do it, right? I yeah. can, if I want to do the sales, I can do this stuff. If I want to do account management, 
I join in the calls with our clients. That is why I realized it, that that's the path that I want to enjoy. And I get really, you know, offers, for, oh, come and work here, work there. And you say, look, you know, I'm, 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 on, I'm unemployable. <laughs> Should I tell people I'm unemployable? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they, once you get that level of being able to you know, develop a company and develop a product, um, you kind of become unemployable unless like Google comes and buys you. But, but you see like when Google comes and buy a company, like those leadership after they have their, you know, two years, they don't last because they they want to go and do something like something like someone like Kevin Rose. I'm not sure if he's still Mm -hmm. there at Google, but like when they bought um, one of his companies, he went over to Google and, and it's just like at that point, you're just transitioning. And then I, I know in the back of your head, you're planning your next move. So I think the interesting thing, um, I, you know, I've never obviously been a, been an entrepreneur uh, or, you know, uh, developed a business or developed a startup, but I did before I worked at search discovery come from a company called startups.com doing the SEO there, but that gave me a lot of exposure to the perspective of startup founders and, and people running, uh, running businesses and all of the people running that company were serial entrepreneurs who had uh, had founded and failed, founded and exited uh, many, many times over and are, are now kind of giving their, their advice. And I think that there is something to be said for um, e- either having kind of a germ of an idea that develops into something bigger and the passion that goes uh, into that or wanting to be your own your own boss uh, and the, the person kind of dictating the direction in a direction that, that you believe in or seeing an opportunity and trying to capitalize on it. And I think for me, uh, the hardest part in terms of thinking about going out on my, on my own, for example, as a consultant has been the, uh, the level of risk because it is, it is very safe to be working for an, another yeah. Uh, a company. It is very, uh, very safe uh, financially, uh, but I, I would think the the opportunities for exponential growth are limited or limiting. Uh, and there are times when you don't necessarily agree with the direction of the company, but because you don't, you either move to another company or your options are okay. Well, go into business for yourself. And for me, that's always been kind of very. Um, very scary. Very scary. No, and we need we need different type of people in the world. You know, I think that entrepreneurs make a very small percentage. You know, probably single digits because it's right. crazy. I tell you, it's a crazy journey, right? It's insane. When I look at you know the hardest times in in the different businesses, you know, they're stressful. You know, saying they're really you know character defining moments when you want to give up. You know, when you when I had that failure on my second business. Never forgot, you know, I had tears, you know, I cried. I built a business very, my, my most successful business was the first one that I had in the Dominican Republic, you know, I had a very successful business with, you know, a lot of staff managers and all these, you know, people. And we had, we saw incredible success going to the second one, a, a dramatic failure, right. You know, put a pause, right. But then I said, look, you know, there is risk in everything, right. If I take a job, I have the risk of getting fired, right? There is a risk, you know, you get, you know, there's always risk. 
but it's how well prepared you are to manage it. Because if I don't have the confidence that I learned from the running the other businesses, I wouldn't be taking risks, you know, because you're putting money in your, on your line, you're putting savings, you're putting, you know, your, your, your credit, you're putting your reputation, not just with, you know, the financial aspects, with, but with people that trust you that they're going to have a job tomorrow, right? So those are big responsibilities, right? But then you think, the way that I look at it is, look, I, I've been really lucky to be given talents that are valuable in this specific, you know, time frame that I that it, it was my chance to live, right? And it is a waste not to take advantage of those talents and benefit others like I benefit myself, benefit people that work with me, benefit people from the community. And that's the way I look at it. I said, look, you know, I'm doing something and I'm enjoying it. I'm living a good life. Um, it's incredible the difference you guys have been living in a developing country. It's night and day, right? So you have to be worrying about electricity being on all the time. That's not something that is even crosses your mind here or having AC all the time on all the time. And the medical public can't have that, yeah. right? Or things worrying about security. I, I want you to understand that in Dominican Republic, you have to have reinforcement steel in all the in all the windows so people don't break in in your home. I don't have to, you know. I, sometimes we leave the door, you know, unlocked. You know, the car is unlocked. Yeah. Right? We walk across the neighborhood with my kids. We're not worried about you know something's going to happen, right? Yeah, I think uh, not to get. Uh, yeah, hyper hyper political, and oh, it looks like Jeff froze. Jeff, you froze. That's our first freeze during a recording. <laughs> um, I'm here, not, to get, not to get hyper political, but I think, um, especially on the heels of the election, which is uh, always a great time to kind of take stock of how our country is is going. And this year, there there has certainly been a lot of upheaval in the United States. Uh, and as bad as things are or seem to be here, I think hearing the perspective from somebody that's been and spent a lot of time outside of the United States just reinforces to me how great of a place and how lucky we still are, despite the fact that we 100%. certainly have many opportunities to to be better. So uh, there are uh, a lot of people I feel like that maybe don't appreciate uh, how good we we have it, and uh, it's really good to hear perspective. To know that my problem yesterday that I didn't have internet for an hour and a half is really <laughs> trivial, completely trivial, and we are incredibly yeah. lucky people. I was setting up YouTube TV the other night, and it was right when YouTube had their outage, mm-hmm. and I'm like yelling at my TV, like, "What did I do wrong? <laughs> Why is this not working?" Right, and, and then my daughter was on her iPad and it wasn't working on her iPad. And I'm like, wait a second. So it might not be just YouTube TV. Like, and that's when I found out YouTube is down and 4 million kids around the United States were probably screaming at their parents at that time. So it's, uh, so yeah, it's definitely one of those where uh, um, a blessing, right. Of, you know, something you just can't control where you're born. And sometimes it's just, uh, you know, luck of the straw at that point. So yeah, cool. Let let's uh, get so, in. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, can you? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to uh, kind of follow up with that entrepreneurial stuff. But when we look at, it seems like going through your history, there's like the building blocks of rank sense, 
were building upon every time you kind of started something new or started thinking about um, like how you were, you were going and developing like, like one, is that true or two? Like how long did it take for you to um, really grow like rank sense, like from the time that, you know, not the day that you started, but from before that, like, were you actually like building that plan in your head before you actually, like, you know, dropped everything and started that? Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. It's been, um, it's been a really interesting journey because, um, when I, I started, um, Rank sense the software while I was in Dominican Republic, and and I started as a desktop software. You know, I got an interview in Moss. It was an analytical uh, software. That's the one that you know failed big time in, in Dominican Republic. When I moved that, when I joined the startup in, in New York, 2010, right? They were trying to do the the the, the, the complementary part, right? So it's implementation, trying to implement SEO. And, you know, 2010, it was still really early to do that. So we started doing that with the reverse proxies, doing the implementation of a company called Altruic. And we had really large brands using that technology. But um, that implementation, when they reached out to me, the reason they hired me was that they hired me as a consultant to review what they were doing. And I told them, look, guys, Sounds great. You have investors, you have all this stuff, you get great clients. This stuff that you're building, it's not going to work. I told them before they launched, I told them, yeah, it's all impressive what you're doing. You sign up all these clients. When you launch that, when you launch it, it's going to fail dramatically because you're doing the opposite of what you should be doing. You know, they were creating duplicate content instead of addressing it because they were creating mirror sites, looking at, in, into and then I said, look, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail. And they were talking to a bunch of people. I was the one that told them that it was going to fail. When it failed, precisely what I told them, they wanted to t- they wanted to hire me because I was the one that was av- telling them the best. And then I told them, this is what you need to do to improve it, right? And they saw incredible results, which is the one of the, one of the big brands was Home Depot, and they were using IBM Westphere. IBM Westphere was creating a hundred duplicates per page. I know all about that. And I said, <laughs> you know about that, right? So, and I told them, look, you know, what you need to do is canonicalize it, right? Which is an obvious concept now, but you know, 10 years ago, they were like, what? Nobody's talking about, everybody's just talking about keywords. I don't care what people are telling you or what they want. I'm telling you that the problem, you know, they're not the doctors. I'm not, you know, asking, you know, patients for what I'm going to, you know, I'm telling you that, Duplicate content is a big problem for them. Have them put the canonicals, and that's going to be a massive improvement. And, you know, they didn't believe it. They told, you know, on the head, look, you know, put this canonical on your pages to our pages. Think about it. They put the canonicals on all these duplicates to the pages that were mirrored on, on the site, and they were paying us on commission on the results of all the products. Imagine, boom, that skyrocketed the revenue. You know the millions of dollars I'm telling you per year one yeah. client and they saw that and then the funniest thing is that i told them that the reason why they were seeing the results is because of what we did and they didn't believe it they were so used <laughs> to be failing so much that when i told them no this is working because of this is specifically what i told you to do 
no, no, I don't believe you. They, Home Depot, they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they don't, yeah. they don't know. And I said, you know, you think that if they see that, you know, extra million dollars in, you know, in extra revenue coming in, they are going to say, oh, it's because of this altruistic guy. It's not because of something else. They're, you know, they're not going to be other executives that want to want to take credit. If they're telling you that that's because we're adding it, they're not making it up. It's real, right? So I had that challenge, you know, that they didn't even believe because people were not asking for duplicate content. People were asking about keywords and they didn't want to, you know, follow it. You can imagine I didn't want to last long on that, you know. So I said, look, you know, and I had a C-level position on that company with a, you know, massive, you know, salary and everything. And I said, look, you know, I tell you how to do it. We got it to work. The company's, and I told them to do other things. They want to listen. I said, look, you know, I'm going to set up on my own. So I left before I had the green card. So I applied for the green card, came in with a special visa. I s- apply myself for a, for a green card. And it was in the process of getting it, you know, there was the risk that I might might not get it, right? I did get it about a year or so later because of the type of visa, uh, green card it was. But I left, I said, look, you know, I don't believe the path you guys are going. Everything looks great, but I'm going to leave on my own, right? So I had the non-compete, so I respected it for a couple of years or so. So we're doing consulting, great friend of mine, uh, Stefan Spencer, helping him learning about the that side of the consulting and SEO stuff. So I launched the, you know, the third business, which is, which was Hamlet Batista, right? So, so that business, I focus exclusively on enterprise e-commerce, you know, mid-market enterprise companies, taking these ideas that I, you know, learn about, you know, with the big companies that were doing in Australia, and finding success, right? Finding different things that consistently work on that niche of e-commerce sites with inventory. And at the same time, right, I'm writing scripts to automate a lot of the different things. So I said, I'm gradually putting things together with the funds coming in from the clients that I'm doing the consulting. And then I think it was 2014, 2015, I started, you know, now that I had the, 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 I was doing the agency to do that stuff. You know, had a number of clients doing that stuff. I started putting together the software, the different pieces of the software. The implementation, obviously, the most you know challenging. Built it for about a year or two. Uh, we had our own reverse proxy network doing that stuff, and and with the clients that we already had, we started with them, and then gradually, you know, evolved. And um, and then I saw that as a Again, it's, it's building blocks, right? So I said, okay, now I got it to the point that I had an Alteric. So then I added real-time analytics. So I said, now I want to also not just do the implementation. I want to do also the, the visibility of what needs to be fixed, which was what I did in my fail business. And then um, added the automation component to it, which is something that we have done in the last year or two, right? So now that I can execute implementations of SEO, how do you automate add automation to the, to the question? And then you think about when you're talking about people about something that doesn't exist, right? They're talking about SEO automation. People don't think it's possible. People don't think, you know, it doesn't exist. It's not possible. And you, who's, who are you to be the one to do that stuff? So you realize that you need credibility. You need to start from you know, before I'm even talking about products or stuff like that, or, you know, I have to build a name, a credibility that 
makes people not even question that you're able to do something, right? And at the same time, there was an opportunity, there was a problem that we had when we were trying to get the merchant account uh, with PayPal and they declined it because we were SEOs. And I said, why? So I saw an opportunity to say, look, you know, maybe I can do something about this thing and build a movement. You know, and I said, oh, Python, maybe that's, you know, I can use Python to do those two, two things, build the credibility for the community and, um, you know, empower the new generation while at the same time building the credibility that enables everything else, right? Because a lot of times in business, we only think about, oh, I just need to put an ad, you know, I have a product, put an ad, people will listen to it and then buy from you. No, it's not as simple as that. People right. buy from <laughs> reputation, right? They need reputation. They, you need trust, reputation. Everybody does due diligence. You guys, when you're talking to me, you do due diligence about, you know, let me see who this guy is. Same thing with every, every place that I speak or write to, or companies when I'm working with big companies, everybody does due diligence, and you don't and, and you don't learn that in business schools that you have to invest time in building a track record that connects people to whatever you're presenting. Oh yeah, what well, you're presenting me, I can see why you can do it because I can see your reputation, your trajectory, that that's going to lead you to do this, right? That's how you probably got your job at the New York Times, right? They're not going to just hire you in an auto without you having a track record for that. Right. Right. I just gave them a lot of money and then they – just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So does that, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Makes total sense. So in thinking about uh, maybe – maybe not just e-commerce, but automation in general, what are the biggest ways that you feel like automation and or Python as an extension of that autom automation can help an SEO do their, do their job? Yeah, so that's, that's an excellent question. And you think about what's been automated so far, right? In terms of the package tools that we have access to, the wonderful tools. It's mostly data gathering and reporting, right? So to do our jobs, we need to gather data, we need to run automated analysis, and we need to do reporting, right? But there's more stuff than that. That's what traditionally computers have been able to do. Data gathering, you know, reporting, starting in databases, running reports. Now what's happened is, which is really interesting, and I, I tell you that I've been incredibly lucky because I started learning um, advanced machine learning, deep learning, I think it was 20, 2008 or 2007, I don't remember. Really, you know, in the when it was starting. So said I launched some some studies, some courses, and I took them and I got certified, you know, and I enjoyed it a lot because it connected so well with my engineering background. I was able to learn it really quickly. But then I started looking at how can I apply this to SEO, right? And what's happened is that computers, it was great timing because NLP and all that stuff is growing at a crazy pace. And computers can now solve problems that require perceptive uh, abilities that computers didn't have before. What I mean by perceptive uh, abilities, we're talking about vision, right? We're talking about uh, understanding, you know, language, right? We're talking about sound, noise, all that stuff computers couldn't do before, right? And now computers can see a picture and tell you what's on it, read a paragraph, summarize it. 
tell you what's on the, what the article is about, right? And the best part is that all that stuff is open, including the code yeah. is open, which is incredible, right? So you think, you know, you have to think back in the time, right, where everything is, oh, can you use this? Can you use that? It's, it's covered with patents and stuff like that. And everybody was just, you know, really uh, protective of what they were doing. Microsoft, Google are investing massive amount of money, right? Facebook, all these people, and giving it back for free. Their code, TensorFlow is open, PyTorch, you know, Facebook, you know, all this, every research, everything, they're releasing it openly. And why do they do that? Right? Think about it. They're paying top scientists million, over a million dollars salary to build these systems that they're releasing for free where everybody can use them, right? Without having to pay a license or anything, right? It's, it's crazy. If you go back 10, 20 years, nobody would think about that. So Microsoft systems will never do something like that or, or IBM, right. right? And they're doing it, right? And then I said, why is this happening? Why is this, you know, first of all, it's amazing because we can use it. If you see a lot of my articles, is sharing that beyond the code, it's just thing that I'm leveraging research and code that academics being paid with grants and being paid with high salaries are sharing and making it available for free. I understand that enough that I can adapt it to a business need that you can monetize. And like I can do it, everybody that's reading my articles can do the same thing. Now, think about why is that, right? If you were to guess, why would you think Google, Microsoft, Facebook are giving this stuff for free? Right now, I'm doing the interview to you, right? Why would you do that? Why would you <laughs> think? To collect data. I don't yeah, know. Cool. To collect data so that they can make, well, they make a little it. scuttle. Well, but if you download it on your computer, they're not going to be able to collect data on that. True. Right. So, so let Build me more engineers. You. I'm sorry? Build more engineers <laughs> that are into machine learning and, and exactly yeah. So essentially, if you think about it, right, machine learning engineers is a scarce resource, right? They need more people. They need more more. They need to broaden the the the, the market of users of their cloud infrastructure, right? So Facebook does not doesn't have a cloud service that they can monetize this directly. But all these companies, they need engineers that can power, that can, that they can hire, you know, they can join their ranks, right? So what's happened is that because you become, because of the sharing and the, and the, and, and the value of what you're sharing, you become a thought leader, you become a, a brand equity in the community of machine learning. Where do you think people, when they're graduating from schools, they want to want to apply for, for these jobs, right? So they're capturing these talents. Right. All yeah. these big companies, they're capturing the top researchers that invented a lot of the technologies that are we that are that we're using. Yeah. So what right. are yeah, what are some top things that we can automate and can't automate? So yeah, so now going more concretely, right? So you can automate and, and I'll share you, you know, examples from my articles. You can automate even content creation. You can automate taking an image and writing a caption, writing an alternate text of the image, 
you know, automatically. I have an article where I can show you, I can take a page and write a structured data for the page, right? It's, it's crazy, but it, it's just to show you. I can use uh, computer vision, take a snapshot of the page, and have the computer label elements within the image that I took from the page, the screenshot, and say, oh, this is the product name, this is the image of the product, this is the price. Think about how crazy that is, so I can use that. Take those elements that I call bounding boxes and translate them into structured data, right? Hands-free. No software right now in the market can do that, right? So when you're using structured data, you have to manually label things. You may manually label where this is, where that is, and then use it at the template and it will, it will do it, right? That using computer vision. And it's not theory. I have an article that shows you that, right? I have an article that shows you I can write titles and descriptions as well at scale automatically using summarization. So I can take the text of the page using an ML model, create a summary, an abstractive summary that describes the page in summary, right? There are other things that I haven't covered yet, but they're also possible. For example, generating images. You know that you have, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge to get images for your articles when you're writing them. You can actually describe what you want the image to be. And there's a model that can take that and, and create a new image that doesn't exist, right? Think about how, how that, right? You can do that stuff, right? Wow. You can have the computer write content. Right. You can describe the content that you want, have the computer write it, right? Just give you an idea. The one article that I wrote uh, a couple, I think it was a couple of months ago, FAQs, right? So think about it. I can take text from support emails, right? That is not public information. Take text from support emails and have the computer write questions and answers based on the content of those emails. And I gave a talk at a state of search that I use the same technique that I'm telling you, but using reviews. So think about it, you have a, 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 category, a category page, most of them don't have content, and you can add an FAQ based on the, on the reviews of the products of that category by creating an FAQ for that page, including the structured data, right? And basically, your imagination is a limitation now. It's, it's as crazy as that. I would say, wow, why is that, you know, it's the problem is that the computers can make embarrassing mistakes. So as exciting as it is that computers can do this and they can do, you know, write the content, all that stuff, when they get it wrong and it's, 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 it's still, you know, something that happens, you know, with certain frequency, not, you know, 50% of the time, but, you know, 20, 30% computers are going to make mistakes. The mistakes the computer makes are not the mistakes that a human makes, which means that it can be really embarrassing. You probably have seen examples where a computer confuses a cat with something else completely different, right? Just changing a pixel yeah. or something, the computer says, oh, no, that's not complete, something completely. It can be because that, there's a high risk, right? So you use this at the New York Times and you say that could be very embarrassing. Right. You know, an article that you put something that can be offensive, right? So the human in the middle is really critical because um, the main problem that we're having is that computers, the, the generation that we have in these models, they don't have semantic understanding of what they're doing. They only have 
syntactical understanding. They can create really impressive prose, you know, images, separate, but they don't have a, you know, con- they don't have semantics and context. And I'm excited to see some research that is showing that that might cha- start changing next year because they're combining visual uh, models with textual models. And they're seeing some, you know, that the visual elements can constrain the nonsense that the computers can generate. Right. Uh, and so, we're going to see it with chatbots too, where, mm-hmm. you know, I know they always have every year, like a chatbot competition where mm-hmm. people will talk with a chatbot and you try to figure out which one's a human and which one's a chatbot. And I think last year was the first time the chatbot won, um, but it's getting better and better where it, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to actually talk to humans in like 10 years and just talk to the computer. <laughs> so the, the thing that's coming to mind is um, you see a lot of tools in the industry, uh, especially um, big SEO platforms, not, not rank sense necessarily per se, but other tools um, that are pitching c- clients on the idea of SEO automation, right? And not not just automation in the sense of tactical automation, which is what it ends up being, but autopilot, right? Where you can just turn on the tool and your SEO is taken care of. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah, yep, that's them. Uh, That's one, they're not the only one, right? But that is one. And and, uh, there are clients that have, tried that and it's great for what it does but it's super super tactical and it, and i guess what i'm what i'm hearing is that a lot of the application with automation right now as it stands is to some degree still tactical and there still needs to be the strategic layer which is human still that sits above that and not only that um i think one of the big the biggest uh, advantages, I guess, of, and I don't want to say it like this because it sounds really stupid, but being a, being a human is, is the understanding that you have of the, of the business, the business goals. And like you said, Hamlet, the, the, the context that a machine, at least right now may not necessarily have that, you know, be having that understanding in a way that it can apply it to, the tactical stuff that some of this automation is solving. But what it does sound like it solves is it opens up a lot of time and opportunity for SEOs to not spend all of our time hunting down these things that through, uh, whether it be rank sense or another system can be automated so that we can spend our time doing other things, theoretically, maybe more important things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I want to mention, you know, that our philosophical approach to automation, right? So that's the the ideal scenario, right? So where the machine is doing all the work and you're just collecting the checks. And I used to to joke with the banks when I tell them, "Oh, what is rank says? Oh, imagine that the machine does all the work and you're just sitting in a in a in a beach and you're just collecting the checks, just checking the bank account, and everything. And that's you know ideal. It's the problem is it's still far from reality, right? And I realized that, especially in marketing, the most successful businesses, they um, they push people to do their best, right? So they extract the best of 
of people, right? So they enable them. So when and technology is not, oh, you know, the technology is going to replace what I'm doing and I don't have to do the work and I'm going to lose the work, the job, right? It's more about how the technology gives you superpowers, right? So that's kind of like fundamentally, right? That's what probably we are different with, you know, Bright Edge or all the companies is that we believe in superpowers, right? It's that how can I enable you what you will do in, in uh, if you will be able to do something that will take you, you know, uh, uh, two weeks, three weeks, right? Doing it in a fraction of the time, right? And doing better, not just doing it faster, but doing it better or doing things that you couldn't do before, right? And, and I mentioned that we're different because that's where we are evangelizing Python, right? So I'm not saying, oh, we're going to do everything. We're going to keep everything within the realms of the software. No, we're enabling you to learn Python because then your creativity is the limitation. You're not going to have to wait for us as a company to come up with another solution for this and for that because I'm giving you the tools to learn it. You know, and our technology just becomes the canvas of you, your creativity. Now that you you have an idea for internal internal linking or start architecture, or you have an idea for pages that you want to create, or some research that you want to do, or one specific audience that you want to attack, I can account for every specific problem or opportunity that you know, different people in the community are going to come up with. And, and, and we're talking about diversity, right? Diverse people from, you know, we, I talk from, from SEOs from all different places in the world, right? We, in the community as well. And they're going to be facing different challenges and things that I, I was just talking to the nail and she was talk, talk, talking to me about the interesting find feature in the mobile search that I was not even aware of, right? I wasn't even paying attention to that stuff. If I'm not even paying attention to that, I'm not going to codify that in the tool. Right. But because she learned Python, she was able to automate it. Right. Now what we can do, you know, in our tool is now that you come up with this idea, we make it easy for you to try it on the site, you know, and the CDN without involving developers and give you the feedback of whether that idea that you have actually turns out to be successful or not. Right. Because that's what ultimately ranks in our technology is about a feedback loop. Right try things, not even involving developers, just populating sheets, see if they work and doing them incrementally. And that's where we're going to remain. And we're going to, you know, trying to do a bunch of different stuff and encouraging and, and having the community where everybody's trying things, writing code for different things and making it available and easy to use for people like you that don't write code, but know enough to run that notebook, put the sheet that you have, put the inputs and get the output that you want where you don't have to wait for the software vendors like us to build those capabilities into the tools. And uh, I love developers and God bless them, but I like the phrase not having to involve the developers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what you mean. Right. Steve and I was be upset. Right, right. Steve Ballmer would be upset when he went on his rant. Yeah, developers, no, developers, developers, right. developers. Yeah, no, but I tell you, you know, I was interviewed uh, by Cloudflare there where we build our, our te technology on top of, and it was asking, look, you know, I use this analogy that what happened in the DevOps community, right? So remember I come from an IT background, you know, I was a sysadmin, I was, you know, deal with security and all that stuff. So that's what I 
could figure out that, that solution. But um, what happened with, um, what I told them is, look what happened when I was a system administrator, I was managing manually, you know, six, 12 servers, you know, some Solaris, some microsystem servers that I had, to, Unix servers that I had to log in and manage. The same person, you know, that, that doing the, my job now, you know how many, how many they manage? Thousands, hundreds or, or thousands of servers. Why can they manage so many? Because there is now that it's called DevOps. So there is the combination of managing the traditional servers that now you don't have to manage them manually because you can define configuration files and that's how you manage a fleet of servers that have the same setup, right? And everything is versioned in a control system. So now they deploy servers virtually Right, not physically, you know, there's the physical servers and the virtual servers because they're virtual. You can deploy them and put them in different roles and they auto heal automatically. Now, because of the automate, because of the virtualization, it enable automation in that industry. And because of the automation, they can manage so many servers at once. But you, you think that, that you know, Cloudflare or Google, they, they don't have people managing, you know, the infrastructure. They need to have the people managing the infrastructure. It's yeah. just that the people managing it can do far more than they could do before the software and the automation was in place. And I told, you know, Zach, who was doing the interview, I said, look, this is the same thing that happened with this industry of IT with systems and managing servers. It's also going to happen on people that have to optimize websites. And SEO is one area, but there is, you know, conversion rate optimization. There is uh, usability. There's a lot of other things that, you know, the, the professionals are going to be able to do at scale, right? They're going to be able to manage at scale. If you're in an agency, that's what we're focusing on agencies. Manage, you know, initially, right? It's, you can scale it across, you know, uh, all the clients, right? So you say, oh, I want to try this tactic, but I don't have to do it manually with one client. I can try it across all my clients or a number of them that makes sense, right? And see if that works, right? Yeah, That's you know, if, if you've seen that, I think it was came out like a month ago or so. It was a, a Google like documentary about search. I think it was called Trillions of Questions. Yeah, and I love that one. You just you just see when they walk down their data centers and mm-hmm. like, so early on my first job on all this, I worked for us on microsystem reseller. So I had like, I got certified in, and things like that, even though I really never used them as much. I, I needed it for the web stuff, but the company had two splits looking at that and, and just how our server room was like four servers and it was a pain in the butt to deal with them compared to one guy walking down a row of thousands of servers and that like, this is his home. He owns his data center and, and there's, you know, how much information is coming in and out of them, how much information is being stored on the servers. It's, it's mind blowing. And, and, and it's just mind blowing anyway, just like take one part of Google, like YouTube, how much video is being uploaded to those servers <laughs> every exactly. second. It's insane. <laughs> exactly. But you see, right. What's happening is, you know, the automation is a superpower for people, yep. right? It's not, you know, about replacing people because you still have more. You know, the, the, the people are going to be there. They, are, they can make decisions. You know, they understand nuances, stuff like that. But in order to scale, it's just you need it, right? You know, how are you going to, you know, you're going to hire so many people to be able to deal with that stuff, right? 
Yeah. And that's absolutely that's the future of warfare now. Those data centers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's move from warfare. Let's uh get close to closing out the episode. So we've been doing something in season three uh, called, uh, we haven't really named it, but just soliciting questions for our guests ahead of time via Twitter. So we've got three questions today. Uh, Two I'll call uh, a little bit kind of funny, playful, and one more more serious. Uh, And basically what we'll do is we'll go through these questions. Hamlet, you'll, uh, you'll respond and uh, I won't. I will not pick, but you guys can select who we thought the best question was, and that person will win a free Page Two Podcast sticker to put on their laptop or any other place that they choose. And then we will close out the episode with some words of advice. So, first question uh, from season three guest uh, Jaris Mitchell at an Internet Robot, also one of the best Twitter handles that I've come across. Our giant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in these hashtag uncertain times, how do you manage to be such a kind, supportive human? Yeah, no, I saw that. Thank you very much, Jared. I, I appreciate it. And um, and yeah, what I'm saying is um, I feel really privileged and honored to be given all these opportunities that I have, you know, living here in the U.S., all this, you know, having a business and having people and all this and having an amazing community. I just feel, you know, grateful that, you know, I have to give back. I feel like I have to pay it forward, right? It's, it's, I think, um, and also as an entrepreneur, I had to go through very difficult times and you learn to be tough and you, you know, you understand it's, it's difficult. Not everybody can go through that. So, uh, providing support is, I think is, it's, in, in, in my nature, right? You know, we might, we might imagine that, you know, with my team, when we have been through really rough patches to uh, keep everybody, you know, motivated is, I think it's just part of my nature. And then Dan Liebson at Dan Liebson. Uh, so also a page two podcast alum. Uh, why didn't he, why didn't he choose to come to the best coast of, coast of the U S which I guess in his case is uh, West Coast. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I, I, I was with Dan and SMX West. Wonderful beer, Dan, when we had that uh, after the, the, the show. Uh, well, it's, in my case, it was very, it was very simple. You know, my wife, she didn't want to move in. She wanted to stay in the Dominican Republic. Primarily because, you know, Latinos, you know, we like to be really close to family, everybody. You know, it's a different culture. Everybody wants to be close. And, you know, the only way I was able to convince her to move was because uh, we will move close to her relatives, her family, her, her brothers and sisters. And a lot of them are here in New Jersey. And she has a lot more family here than we had back in where we were living in Dominican Republic, you know. So family had to, came first to make sure that, the missus was happy with the move. Happy move wife. Happy exactly. wife, happy <laughs> life. It's very, very, very true. Yes. Um, our last question. Uh, this is now uh, uh, second or third question for Wade. Wade, I will say, has already won a sticker. So I don't know how that factors in. Maybe he'll he'll potentially win an extra one. Uh, so Wade Saunders, uh, my search discovery colleague, Jeff's former colleague, 
Uh, his handle is at heels for corners, huge basketball fan. Uh, how much trust do you put in third party tools for traffic estimates and where do these tools have gaps in their data? Yeah. So, and I, and I posted, I saw that on Twitter. I posted a link to an article that we wrote about a research that we were trying to do for some forecasting for a client. And the sad situation is that when you use third-party tools for traffic forecasting, and then you, you have access to the properties that you are actually forecasting and you compare the data that you get from them. And when you get an analytics or a search console or stuff like that is, the discrepancy is massive that can actually change decisions. So I, I think that it depends on what you try and what you're gonna do with the with the information, right? If you're gonna, you know, like in my case, I was trying to do a forecast and try to provide a direction of do this or that based on the outcome. I wouldn't use them for that for big, you know, you know, important decisions that require accurate data, right? I think for um, but I use, I use them and I see value in, um, when I'm looking for opportunities and gaps, right? So I look for, uh, content or keywords that we might be overlooking that competitors are showing up for. Um, so that's what I would, you know, that's what I would be looking at them for, right? But, um, the traffic specifically and trying to do forecasts or even trying to use, I've seen clients with that crazy idea of using third-party tools traffic for, to measure progress in, when they have access to analytics. Why are you gonna use a third-party tool to measure your performance? And you can look at your analytics data, right? Yeah. I wouldn't use that for that. So in, in uh, honor of, uh, Alex uh, Trebek, who passed uh, this week, another 2020 uh, awful thing. Mm -hmm. Who's who's the who's the winner? And I'm going to do my Jeopardy music in the background. <laughs> Ready? Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. So we've got Jairus, Dan, yep. Wade. Da, 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 I think Jairus' question was pretty good. <laughs> He's being um, Wade's is definitely more thorough, but he already won. Yeah, he already won. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think between Jairus and Dan, which one do you think, Hamlet? So Dan doesn't have one, right? Let's no, yeah. Let's give it to Dan. Yeah. All right. Dan, if you're listening to this episode, you are the new winner uh, and the the current uh, champion of the Twitter questions for this week. So be on the lookout for your page two podcast sticker. It comes in blue, pink, or green. Very nice uh, color combinations. Uh, so Jeff, you want to close, close this sure. uh, episode out with our final question? Yeah. So we ask all our guests, like, what words of advice would you give to a person just getting started in SEO? I'll say learn by doing, right? I think uh, you will think, oh, learn Python. No, I think you want to be a generalist, get exposed to different areas, learn, you know, the business, learning your clients and try things, right? So when we're training people on our team, we task them to creating a website by themselves, putting together the, do all the hosting, do all the, 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 Put yourself in the shoes of the client that you're going to be helping with your SEO, 
right? So build the website, put the pages, put the content, go through that journey, and you're going to learn a lot. And now when you have that, you start looking at the content about how to do SEO, stuff like that. You're going to feel more empathetic. I think being empathetic on clients is an undervalued and very um, um, underrated but very valuable skill. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, and then once you have when you're trying different things, you're gonna find something that you're really passionate about. You know, hopefully some of you are gonna find that programming in Python it is, and then you take that, you know, detour. But start as a generalist so that you get exposed to different things and primarily, you know, understanding clients and being empathetic about them is very, very, very valuable. I agree. The empathy is a, a very underrated skill, and some might call that kind of a soft skill of SEO, which I think is um, sometimes equally as important as the uh, as the the more tactical and strategic skills. It's just being able to understand your client. And I know as a uh, a crusty old sea dog of uh, SEO for the last fifteen years, that sometimes you have a tendency to. Yeah, over time become a little bit jaded and and lose some of some of that empathy so if you're somebody new uh just know that there will be the urge over time to to lose a little bit of that empathy and try to try to avoid it because it is a very important skill that is uh very successful when it comes to driving strategy helping them solve your problems or if you're on the agency side things like contract renewals become very important. And if your client trusts you and you've shown the, the correct amount of uh, empathy and respect back towards them, you're likely to have a long relationship versus the alternative. Yep. So Hamlet, uh, thank you for coming on. We, we certainly appreciate your time. And where can people find you? So you're going to find me more often in Twitter at Hamlet Batista. And you can guys also check uh, my website, RankSense, www.RankSense.com. And feel free to also connect on me on LinkedIn as well. Search for my name, Hamlet Batista. And Hamlet has lots and lots of interviews, really great articles, definitely very visible in the industry. And just about, if not every single thing that he puts out there is um, of the, the, the highest quality. So really, really happy to have you on your show. And uh, for those people in our audience, you're going to be listening to this on Monday. So have a great week. Uh, we are off to the weekend because we are recording this on Friday. So for us, have a great weekend. Yeah, have a great one. And thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing. <laughs>